Welcome to Radical Simple Living. This is episode 36 of series one. I, um, yeah, it's beginning of June here. We're within about three weeks of midsummer, which as you know in Sweden is a very big deal. Um, and it's, yeah, coming into summer. It's, it's a difficult year because the level of rain is so ridiculously low. It barely rained in May. And in June, and I look every day at the weather forecast, which stretches 14 days in the future, and there's another 14 days without rain. So I'm spending an awful lot of my time watering. I'm keeping a close eye on my well, which is one of only two water supplies I have, really. The other one is a, a grey water tank, which takes water from the roof, as well as if I connect it, water from washing machine, so I could use that eventually. But drought is a real probability, I would say, this year. And uh, this is my seventh summer in Sweden. And six of those years have been incredibly dry. One of those years was so dry that trees in the forest were just dying. So I hope we don't go that far this year. But some rain would be nice. And the rain is, lack of rain is my excuse for being so late with this podcast I normally try to get at least one a week out but this has gone over a week since my last one because I'm too exhausted after a day's watering to come in and record one quite frankly plus there are other irritations I woke up to an irritation this morning which I'll get off my chest before I start talking that uh, I I sleep on the ground floor and I got up this morning it was about 4 30 and uh threw back the curtains without really looking out the window at much and uh, went back to bed, did a few things on my tablet, checked for messages overnight, that kind of thing, perused headlines. Then I got up and looked out the window for more fully, only to see my entire onion patch um, had been dug over in the night by an animal or animals unknown. Now, I quickly got dressed and, and went out and did my best to restore things. Almost every onion plant, and this was this is a plot maybe. Oh, I'll do it in feet if I can. It's about fifteen foot by about four foot full of onions, <coughs> and every every plant had been dug up. None of the plants were damaged. They were just dug up and thrown to one side. It seemed that the animal digging up the plot was looking not for the onions, but for what lies beneath, i.e. grubs and worms and things in the soil. The soil was nice and soft there, and I presume they were looking for worms. Now, if the onions had been eaten, I would have suspected hare or deer. But because it was the onions were unharmed, it's likely to be fox or even more likely to be badger. Now, I, I should explain for those of you, I know in North America you have badgers that are vicious animals that will, you know, they wouldn't stop at digging up your onion plot. They're just, they're just mean animals and they're, 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 they're pretty gruesome. If you don't know what a North American badger looks like, if you live in another part of the world, go to Google and look at them. Uh, they have teeth on them that you don't want to come in contact with. The European badger... Eurasian badger, I should say, is more fluffy and cute than its North American cousin. 
and it's the badger that we know from childhood books like The Wind in the Willows, where Badger is wise old uh, gentleman of, uh, that you could rely on for good advice. And uh, yeah, I, I like badgers, but I wish they'd leave my garden alone. It's the first year I've had problems with badgers, and I've done a few things that uh, kept the badgers at, uh, at bay a little bit. Um, I found out where they're getting into the garden. The garden is unfenced because it's Sweden and you don't have fences. So my garden goes into the woodland and you'd think in the woods there'd be enough things to eat for badgers. But no, they decided to dig up my onion plot last night. Now, I know I'm blaming the badgers and there hasn't been a trial and it could be some other animal, but I don't know. Two cats were on duty outside. Two of my tomcats were on duty outside last night. And where were they? Did they try and stop? Did they try and warn me? No. I suspect they were hiding under the barn while the badgers did their deeds. And then when it's all finished, they came out and started hanging round, waiting for me to give them their breakfast. That's what I suspect. If I sound bitter and twisted about this, it's because I am. I've managed to replant all the onions. There was little damage to the plants. I've given them vast amounts of water and uh, I will do my best to do that again later on in the day. And it's obviously not something they would want, but it's happened. The, the, one of the main problems is I always plant the onions in lines so I can hoe between them. And this year uh, they were in lovely in lines and I was hoeing between them, but now I've been able, unable to, rest, to restore the lines fully. And so the Onions are growing all over the place. They're in the soil, they're standing up, but they're not in lines anymore. So if anyone passes my garden, I'm just waiting for somebody to come along and say, oh, if you plant the onions in lines, it'll be much easier to weed. I know. I know they would be easier to weed, so please don't tell me. Okay, this week I want to talk about work. And the word work is a very emotive one for lots of people because most people assume the word work means job. They don't assume that work means a far greater thing. So if you, if you go up to somebody and say, oh, what do you work at? They're likely to give you their occupation. They'll say, I'm a firefighter or I'm a paramedic or I'm a sales assistant or a, a lawyer. They're unlikely to say, well, you know, I, I do a bit of this and a bit of that, a bit of the other. But for most people in modern world, the word work means their job. But in my definition, it doesn't only mean that. It includes things like me getting up this morning and replanting my onions and watering them. That's work. It's work that I, I want to do. It's work that I've chosen to do, but it's still work. Both kinds of work, paid work and unpaid work, both take time, they both take energy, and they both need a degree of appliance. You need to apply yourself to work in order to do it properly. So today, work is the main issue. Now, simple living isn't something that you do without some kind of commitment to work. And part of that commitment is because most of the things that over the course of the, the 20th century and the 21st century so far, who knows what it has in store for us. Um, the idea has been that by buying enough labour saving devices, you can actually prevent yourself from doing work 
You can save time, you can save energy, you can save money, or so the advertisers would tell you. So people will say, oh, yeah, some, you know, and some devices do save labor. A washing machine is, is a great invention, possibly the greatest invention uh, of modern times, because it does free people up not to have to wash things by hand, which uh, anybody thinks washing by hand is a good idea. That's fine. You can do it. I know people that do. And that almost demands that you live in a warmer country than Sweden. And it almost demands that you've got a, you know, you, you, you've got outside facilities where you can do this easily. And you've either got a small family, so there's not much washing, or you've got a big family, so there's lots of people to help with the washing. But for most people, that is not something they desire. Even the Amish, as I've said before, do use washing machines uh, and have little generators for them because they recognise that they're helpful. But a lot of the things that we've been uh, told are labour-saving aren't. You know, they're things like ready meals, okay? There's things like non-ironing clothing, which is obviously not true. Um, you know, if you don't hang it up properly, it, it does need ironing. You may choose not to iron it, that's your choice. But a lot of these labour-saving devices don't actually save labour, and they certainly don't save the planet. You know, the idea that modern forms of heating buildings is actually environmentally friendly is not true. Um, older ways using a fireplace may be more work. It may involve you chopping wood, but it's it's going to be cleaner. And for those of you that don't think, wood, wood burners get a lot of bad press. If you keep your wood burner really well maintained and you get a professional in to inspect it on regularly, if you're using well-seasoned dry firewood of the right mix, if you're getting your chimneys sweeped, uh, swept or sweeping it yourself regularly, if you're making sure that you keep the flues open in the correct way and you don't live really squeezed up in the middle city next to some other house, wood-burning stove is probably good. And for people that say to me, burning wood produces carbon dioxide, well, of course it does. But if you leave a tree to rot in the forest, it decomposes and produces carbon dioxide. In fact, it, I'm a chemist, so I can tell you, it will produce exactly the same amount of carbon dioxide. So as long as that wood comes from sustainable sources and you can harvest wood without killing trees, coppicing is a, is a very important art. That's fine. So, yeah, a log-burning stove is a lot of work. It doesn't save time, but it is a good thing to do. Now, work is incredibly heavily involved with uh, those other things like money and status. Status, some people prefer. It's one of those vowel things in the English language. I say status because I'm from South London. Um, we know we need money to live. I need money to live. Everybody needs money to live. There are a few people that live without money, but that is almost a full-time job in itself. Even if you're growing your own food, even if you live in a house which you've built yourself, even if you don't use electricity or mains water, you're off-grid, you're still going to need money. You're still going to need money for all sorts of things. But the important thing about that is that the less money you spend, the less you need. 
So by trying to restrict what you're spending money on, um, then you can you can do something about the amount of money you need to earn. We're going to do a whole podcast about money fairly soon, so I won't talk about it too much now. But I'll say the main reason that people do paid employment is because they need money. But how much money do you need? And if you're in, if there's two of you, if you if you're living with a partner, do both of you need to have full time jobs in order to get all the money you need? Could one of you? give up work and live on the other person's salary. Bearing in mind the person that's not working could do lots of things to save money. Growing food, cooking from scratch, making things, all kinds of things like that. Do you both need full-time jobs? Could one of you do a full-time job and the other person do a part-time job? Could one of you work all the year round and one of you just do seasonal work? There's all kinds of things that you could look at as a way to see if you can do with less money, have to work less hours, and thus give yourself more time for real, radical, simple living. Now, the only way you can do this is by sitting down with a calculator and a piece of paper and a pencil and working out how much it costs you to go to work. Now, this is how you do this kind of exercise. What you do is you take your salary that you're getting from your job. If there's two of you, two bits of paper, two people's salary on the top. You take off of that all that you're paying out. So there will be various taxes. I'm not going to name the taxes because different parts of the world have different taxes. But basically it might come under something like income tax, national insurance, health insurance, all these things that you have to pay out. Now, health insurance you might have to get anyway where you live. If you live in the States, for instance, in Europe, uh, we don't have to. That's taken care of. We're lucky. Um, but look at the figures you have to spend. Look at what's deducted from your salary before you get it and look at the amount you've got left. Now, if you have to travel to work every day, look at those figures. If, for instance, there's two of you and you have two cars because you work in different directions, could you make do with one car and could you then sell the other one and cut your expenses? If you have to go on public transport, you could save ticket money by not going to work or working from home. That's another, another um, thing you could look at. Do you have to wear special clothing to go to work? If you work in a sort of professional setting where you have to dress smartly and there you go, that costs you money every year. And if you were at home, you could wear a pair of jeans and a T-shirt to do your work. Um, do you have to pay to put your children in childcare? Do you have to pay for somebody to look after your children after school? You know, you could. If you didn't work, you needn't pay for that childcare. You could look after your children. You needn't send your children to school. You could homeschool them. So... I'm not going to prescribe to you what you could be doing with your life. But what I do need to say is by looking carefully at what you need to do, um, then you can see ways of saving, ways you could live on less money. Now, obviously, if you live outside a city with land, this whole thing becomes easier, doesn't it? You may... 
of course, have to go to work. And if you do have to go to work, then the only thing I can say is do the best you can. Try and do a job that you like doing. If you don't like doing it, try and find a different job. There is nothing more soul-destroying in this life than getting up every day, dragging yourself out of bed, dragging yourself to do some job that you hate all day, and then taking yourself home feeling bitter, angry, tired and resentful, because that will bring problems. You will start drinking too much. You will turn to recreational drugs. You will spend every evening playing a game on your computer or something. Because that's not a way to exist. That's a, a terrible life to do something that you hate every day. So if you hate your job, try and find a different one. And to do that, look carefully at what you hate most about that job. Now, the main reason people do jobs they hate is A, because they don't think there's anything else out there, or B, because they think they're too old to try anything different, or C, because the money they get for doing that job they don't think they can replace elsewhere. Well, I would say if you really hate your job, and if you can find another job that you like doing, which doesn't pay as well, see if you can change your life to do a job that doesn't pay as well, that you might like more. So if you hate being a stockbroker and would sooner be a pea farmer, pea farming doesn't pay as much as being a stockbroker, but it might be a lot more fun. Okay, so these are the things that you've got to talk about and think about. Um, you can also think about retirement. Now, most people think of retirement as something that happens when you're old, but if you do your sums right, you can retire early. That is a possibility. I've always liked the idea of sort of partial retirement where you go down to three day a week working at a certain time. Have a look at that. See if you can afford to do it. It could be a way to take all these ideas that you have about radical simple living, about growing your own food and cooking your own food and making things and doing things and working for yourself. It could turn those into reality. Because the normal time people retire at 60, 65, 68, 70, depending on where they were, you can be self-sufficient at those ages. You can. Health is more important than age. Your fitness is important. Is there something you can do to make yourself fitter? Is there something you can do that can reduce your health problems? Is there anything you can do that's going to get you more self-sufficient, living more simply? Retirement could be brought forward. One of you could retire, the other one could carry on working if you're in a partnership. There's all kinds of possibilities. Now, if none of these things work, you're going to have to try and be as self-sufficient as you can on the weekends. That's fine. Now, working from home is um, a possibility for more people now than it has ever been in the past because of computers we can work from home if you if you want to do that i would say it's a great idea because it does reduce transportation it does give you a greater degree of flexibility it does uh, allow you not to have to spend as much money as you might do on transport and clothing and all of those things think about it carefully put constraints on it Learn how to do it well. Um, it's very important, whatever you do, to earn your money, or even if you're not earning money, it's very important to do things well and to look after yourself while you're doing it. 
There's a quote here from Karen Blixen, um, and it's a good one. And I've, I always go back to this quote when I do it. And this says, when you have a great and difficult task, something perhaps almost impossible, if you only work a little at it at a time, every day, suddenly the work will finish itself. Mottos like that are going to help. They're going to help you get on with things. Now, sometimes we are overwhelmed by our work. Sometimes the task in hand is so vast. I'm in the middle of getting my firewood together for the winter. Some of it I buy in, which requires uh, splitting and stacking. Some of it I cut and stack myself. I'm basically, with the land I've got, about two-thirds buying in, one-third supplying myself. The task every summer of getting this wood together, of finding the right price with the right supplier for that I have to buy in, of seasoning the wood, of cutting the wood, of chopping the wood, of stacking the wood, is a major task. I, like the rest of you, am getting older, but what I do is I pace myself, I try and get that enormous task done, and it's important. And when you are working, here's another quote from Leo Tolstoy. Leo Tolstoy is great, and Leo Tolstoy says, In the name of God, stop a moment, cease your work, and look around you. Don't let your work unfree your mind. When I'm stacking wood, I listen to an audio book. I'm stacking wood out in the beautiful surrounding forest here of small land in southern Sweden. Now and then, I stop what I'm doing, I stretch my back, I take my hat off and wipe my brow, I look at the world around me, and I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Now, when I say that uh, work is important and we should do it well, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're working in a, a bread shop, do it well. Smile at the customers. Be nice. Be kind. Use the opportunity to be efficient. Be uh, a pleasure to work with. Be a pleasure to your customers and to your employers. As I say, if you've got bad employers, do something else. You have to work well. Now, if you're doing work for yourself, like when I'm stacking firewood, nobody's checking how well I do that. Nobody's checking if I st stack it safely and properly. Nobody's checking. I'm doing it for myself. But you still have to have that same attitude of what you're doing. Try to do it well. Yes, there are time constraints. Yes, you get tired. Yes, you could do it better if you had more time. You could do it better if you had more help. All of these things are true, but chances are you haven't got more time, you haven't got any help, you've got to get the job done. And if you're doing one job, you can't be doing another one. I can't be cleaning my kitchen at the same time as I'm stacking wood. So maybe there's a couple of days when the kitchen doesn't get cleaned quite as well as it could be because I'm busy. Sometimes when I'm replanting my onions because a badger or badgers unknown, have dug up my onions and wrecked my work, I have to go and replant the onions. It's unplanned work, but it has to be done. And yeah, while I'm doing that, I can't do something else. So go easy on yourself. You're not superhuman. Maybe you are. 
I don't know. I don't think many superheroes listen to my podcast, but I could be surprised. You are a human. You are going to get tired. You are going to get despondent. You are going to get up some days and not want to work. And that's something that you we all face and we all come to terms with it. And we all get the work done as soon as we can. Look for things that motivate you. If you're motiv- Nowadays, you can get little plug-in devices to go in your ears very cheaply. And if you want to listen to music, if you want to listen to audiobooks, if you want to listen to the radio while you work, that's fine. You know, this is a little bit of technology that isn't going to cause too many problems to the rest of the world. If it helps you get focused on the job, do it. But do unplug occasionally. Do unplug occasionally. Put some silence into your life on regular occasions. Enjoy your working environment. Don't put your earplugs in so if you're working with other people, you ignore what you're saying. If you're working with a team of people, talk to them. People have been talking to each other while they do work for thousands of years. People have been singing while they do their work for thousands of years. So much of the heritage of music in North America comes from people singing while they're working on plantations in the South and coming up with wonderful songs that led were gateways into other forms of music. Work songs were important. If you want to sing while you do your work, that's fine. Now, finally, I want to... Pause for a minute. Excuse me. Um, Part of the problem that many people have is one of laziness. Now, laziness isn't one of these things where there are lazy people and there are non-lazy people. All of us can be lazy on occasions. All of us, at times, are lazy. We should be doing something, but we're not. We're not doing it because we're enjoying nature for a moment. We're not not doing something because we're tired and we need to rest. We're not doing something because, quite frankly, we're too lazy to do it. So I've got here some tips for how to overcome laziness because I intrinsically am a very lazy person. Um, There's a a song by a British group called Elastica which says, has in it the lyrics, I work very hard but I'm lazy. And it's a truism. Lots of people who work very hard think of themselves as being lazy. And uh, quite often a lot of people that don't work very hard don't consider themselves lazy. It's one of those things. So maybe laziness is a little prod of us to do things. Here's some tips. First one is get better at judging the time a job will take and carry on until finished. Part of my problem is I often seriously underestimate how long something is going to take me to do and then I get frustrated with myself because I haven't finished it in time. So do try and judge carefully how long a piece of work is going to take you. Don't work with electronic devices that distract you and add to the total time a job takes. You know, if get yourself if it's music you want to listen to, get yourself a good playlist, do it. If you have to stop every five minutes to search for another track, or you start scrolling through podcasts to listen to something to listen to, um, that's going to take you time. So what you could do is go to episode one of my podcast and then listen to them all the way through, and you know you can carry on with your job perfectly there. 
The third one is don't waste time complaining or discussing how much you have to do. I know people that if you say so good morning and they will then pull themselves up from what they're doing, explain how much work they've got to do, how long it's going to take them, how frustrated they are, how they wish they didn't have to do it, how they wouldn't have had to do it if something else in their life had gone wrong. All that time spent complaining isn't going to get the work done. And some people are internal complainers. They complain to themselves when they're doing things. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I wish I was doing something else. Don't do it. It doesn't help. It won't get the job done. It won't make the job any better. Okay, the fourth thing is don't worry too much about getting too tired. Just do the job and deal with the tiredness with a good night's sleep at the end. Now, I know you say, well, I don't sleep very well. Let me tell you, I, when I'm stacking wood, I sleep well. Some days in the winter when I'm looking around for things to do, I don't sleep so well. So you usually, not always, sometimes you're having an appalling night's sleep after an incredibly busy day. But if you're doing real physical work, you can sleep. Mental work isn't quite that easily. If you've got a lot of mental work to do, sometimes you can't turn your brain off. But physical work does make you tired. But whatever work you're doing, whether it's physical work or mental work, if you start off by thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to get too tired if I do this and then I won't be able to do that, that's no way to do anything. So resist that if you can. Don't compare yourself with other people when you're working. We're all different. Work as hard as you can. If the person next to you is doing the same job but doing it quicker well you know look at them and see if you can get any clues about what they're doing but you know you're a different person to them you might be a different sex you might be a different age you might be a different degree of physical fitness you might have had a busy day yesterday when they didn't you don't know so don't compare your work to others work as hard as you can and keep going give yourself a small reward like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, uh, a 10 minute break. Um, do that, plan that in advance. Don't say, oh, I feel ready for a 10 minute break. Say, right, when I finish this pile of wood, I'm going to take a 10 minute break. When I've replanted these onions that the badgers dug up overnight quite needlessly, and you know, give yourself a break. Have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee, keep your break to 10 minutes and then get on. That's the time to answer those text messages or to check if somebody's got in contact with you. Not stop while you're doing it, just when you have the 10 minute break, do it. When you finish the task, move on to the next one. OK, you don't say, oh, I've done that task and then go and put your feet up. And it's all too, I, you know, I do these things. I'm not, I'm not being a, a hypocrite here and saying these things don't happen to me. Sometimes if I do something, a really big job that takes a long time, at the end of it, all I want to do is stop and, you know, chill. But while you're doing it, think of a different task. And that might be, you know, I've been stacking wood all morning, so it's time to come in and cook lunch. It might be, oh, I should have, you know, done the washing up before I started on wood. But as soon as I finished, I'll get on with that. Think of the next task, move on. What you will do over time is build up stamina. You will build up um, your ability to get a lot more done every day than you do. 
you will enjoy it more and you will find that laziness isn't a problem because the main vaccination against laziness and this this will maybe you won't agree with this but my main vaccination against laziness is if I don't do this job nobody else is going to do it if I don't stack this wood if I don't replant the onions that a wretched badger has dug up overnight if I don't do these things Nobody else is going to come and do them for me. We were all brought up on that story about the elves and the shoemaker. Oh, wouldn't that be great? If you leave your work overnight and you come and you, oh, look, some elves have been at work and done it for me. The truth is, it's not like that. If you don't do your work, nobody else is going to do it for you. If somebody else does have to come and do your work because you haven't done it, you're, you're being a nasty co-worker. Do your job, try and enjoy it, have fun while you're doing it, but above all, just keep doing it. Okay, uh, that's all for today. I'm going to go and rewater those onions that those badgers dug up overnight. I'm not resentful, don't think I am. I do like badgers, but I wish they'd leave my plots alone. I look forward to welcoming you again next time. Please do what you can to publicise this podcast on social media. I would be incredibly grateful uh, for anyone that does that. And for those of you that have uh, publicised this podcast and are intending to, you have my deepest thanks. Okay, until next time, bye for now.